This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hi, Ellis Pod fans. It's JR here. Burt's Babes, Hoddle's Heroes, even Decanio's Dozens. We've had some iconic lineups in our history at Swindon, just like the legendary menu at McDonald's. Parkin' or Austin, sweet curry or barbecue? Why not get a McNugget share box to enjoy the debates with your mates? And thanks to book delivery, every drop-off could be a home win. Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points too. No one wants to drop points at home, and with tasty rewards to earn, you won't be missing out. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Rodgers is streaking ahead and he's onside. Beautiful play! That is that! What a shot! Like an off-brand board game from B&M Bargains, Swindon looks to be going for four in a row, going away to playoff play Salford. But Morris's minor men have managed to break the hex and come away with all three points, giving Jody and the squad more breathing room than a snugly-sized and equally cursed white and black Puma shirt would have. And inviting, joining me to discuss the game today is none other than the silent sire, Dan Hunt. Evening, JR. Hello, hello. And now you watching courtesy of the Chateau uh, this weekend. I've got to ask because you didn't bring it up on the on the last pod. Was this um, due to those Carolina Reaper wings that you had? At- <laughs> uh-huh. I'm glad you brought that up because I did forget to mention that on the post. But long story short, in a pub in Sutton, ordered what I thought were regular spicy chicken wings, and my lord. I was not ready for the Carolina Reaper, a black garlic hot sauce. Um, must have taken me 50 minutes, um, maybe an hour, to struggle through these 10 wings. Napkins everywhere, snotting, crying. And, um, yeah, so it became a real struggle and something I had to complete in my journey to adulthood. And I made it. It made me think of, you know, when we used to watch Man vs. Food and do the challenge at the end. <laughs> and I used to imagine if there was, like, a couple on, like, a first date and you're watching this man, like, snotting and crying and, you know, going, going purple in the corner, that it wouldn't really set the tone. But I'm not sure. This was probably just a nice, nice, you know, food and drinks pub, wasn't it? It's not really... Uh, it was the it was the gander in inside. And there, was, there was plenty of football fans about it. It wasn't the most inappropriate thing. What well, sounds like flaming hot Carolina Reaper wings? You, you, you just wanted a mild spice. You didn't want to take your jaw off, did you? Exactly. But everything else on the menu was was mild. Mild barbecue this, mild something else that. I was like, well, I need some kick. And I didn't account for how hot they were going to be. And a big shout out to Neil Hussey, who sat opposite me throughout this and lovingly went to the bar and bought me an extra pint because 
I was getting through a lot of liquid just to try to keep my mouth cool. It was a real struggle. A bit like Swindon in the last five minutes at Sutton. Well, quite. I imagine I didn't have Mango Lassie on tap. And we've got a debutante <laughs> as well. It's somebody who's actually made the journey and gone all the way to Salford yesterday. Please welcome Louis. Louis, hello. Hello. Now, not everybody. Now, a lot of people might know you as uh, Legally Swin on Twitter, but for those who aren't terminally online, do you want to just tell us a bit about yourself? Introduce yourself to the pod? Yeah, uh, so I'm Louis. Uh, I go to, ooh, I try and make every home game now for Swindon. I've started to go to away games. Uh, I'm 17, soon to be 18. Um, I like to wear a purple, purple bucket hat and red sunglasses whenever I go to a Swindon game. So there's that. <laughs> this, is your, this is your classic Seaside Reds, Derby Rimmer, purple and pink, yeah? Yes, yes, it is, yes. Uh, yeah, Seaside Reds. Made, yeah, made that purple bucket hat. I wanted the original, I wanted the green and white one, but they yeah, sold out of them. So I, I, Rich I, has so, got that one too. <laughs> so I, I had to settle for the purple one. Oh, very, very nice. Very good yes. sartorial choice there. Um, right, you you were a bit more sensible, I could see. I, I saw your Twitter yesterday. You are a bit more sensible than, than our Dan, and you plumbed, played it safe with a, with a nice BK. What's your, yes. what's your Burger King go-to? Um, what did I have yesterday? Oh, I think it was Angus Steakhouse Cheeseburger. Um, I had large fries. Oh, I had or- orange Capri Sun. For some reason with the meal, they weren't doing any Coke, Diet Coke. So I'd have an orange Capri Sun. Yeah, that, a Capri Sun, you might be able to sort of sneak into the ground. You could pretend it was a catheter bag. Or something. Just I know. Catheter bag. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, that's good. That's very nice. And how was you made the trip all the way up to Salford? How, yeah, what was the overview of the journey? How was it? Um, it was it was pretty good. It was long, four hours there, four hours back. Uh, we were quite blessed with little traffic. I was sat next to a good guy in Richard. He kept me company for the whole for the whole journey. Um, to be fair, on the coach it is always pretty good because I've been on the coach before to Newport. Or they're always friendly on there, always hospitable, making teas and coffees for everyone. Yeah, but a whole like family friendly vibe. So four hours therefore is that eight hours in total? Yes. So that could probably in that time you could probably manage to listen to um all of the STFC fan created audio, couldn't you? Yes, that's exactly. a week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very good. I sense Lovely a segue stuff. here, JR. I sense a segue. No, no segue, no segue here. I want, I do wonder if you want to get a segue onto away days in general because uh, another great turnout yesterday, Dan. Um, I was at Newport the other week. You went to Sutton, as we said, and had the uh, had the wings fiasco. The Lake Orient game that's already that's already sold out. That's that's coming up. I'll be there. And yeah, regardless of all the grumblings and moanings online and the current form, that away support throughout the years it's unwavering and it's quite remarkable isn't it well yeah i think in my lifetime anyway it's all there's always been an unwavering hardcore but i think that hardcore has definitely grown um in the last i don't know five or six years um did some maths earlier today you know me i'm a opta dan i love a stat um so on the basis that we've sold 1250 tickets for Leighton orient away um, that will be our 17th League Two, uh, League Two away day of the season, which will take us up to 11,963 Swindon travelling fans at an average of 704 fans a game. Um, your highs in there, Northampton at 1,455, Newport, like you said, around 1,000, uh, Crawley 920, Stevenage 885. So, I think in a very northern orientated league, and even with some of those southern grounds having quite limited uh, allocations, like Newport, like Orient, like Northampton, you know, places where you know we could take two and a half, three thousand if we were able to. So, to average seven hundred and four, um, and that you know, there's been some grim northern away days in there where we've taken some fantastic numbers. Mansfield, seven hundred and thirty-four. Salford yesterday, 715. Stockport, 701. You know, Gillingham, that like that trip across the Medway around the M25, that's grim. 671. 
Colchester on New Year's Day, 500. So, yeah, I mean, Swindon are blessed with fantastic away sport. Um, like Louis yesterday, um, like I'll be cheering them on in Leighton Orient, filled with eight or nine pints of the, of uh, my best cheer. So uh, yeah, we just need just need the team to uh, to match those efforts, and uh, we might yet yeah, have a season to save. Well, we might do. So let's let's get stuck into it. Let's get into Salford City away. Um, and look at the lineup. So compared to Sutton game, you've had a brilliant goal. Um, Hutton and Iandolo on the sort of wing back positions. Uh, Brennan, Clayton, Brake, Tracy in the middle. Make up the midfield. You've got uh, Sadu Khan, George McEachran, and uh, Jake Kane. Um, and then uh, Wakeling and Austin. Wakeling is kind of joining that that midfield uh, trio there. Um, in the Bench positions, uh, Adloy is back on the bench. Jeff Cox uh, is relegated from to the bench from the starting lineup. Well, I say relegated, we'll get into that one there. Uh, Ronan Darcy, uh, Tyree Shade, and then you've got Jack Copland, uh, Harrison Minton, and Ricky Aguiar. So, a couple of changes from the Sutton game. Um, Jeff Cotton down. I'm supposing they're going for maybe a more cautious approach, but um, no Kaji. He didn't even make the bench. And there was no murmurings about him on the presser that I did with Joe on Thursday. Um, Louis, what was the what was the feeling in the stands about the about the lineup? Well, with Jeff Cott, I, I thought he, I thought I personally thought Jeff Cott would start. So I was a li- I was a little shocked to see that he didn't start because um, I thought Wakeland needed a little bit more of a rest. How wrong I was! Um, <laughs> um, but with Kaji, I don't. I think the thing with Kaji in the stands, I don't. I don't think really many people really noticed he was missing because I don't, he hasn't been here that long, has he really? He's only been here, what, what, two, three weeks now. So I I don't, I don't say we like, we'd forgotten about him, but I thought, I think we thought, okay, we, we, we can, we can make do with this midfield we've got here. We're with, when we're missing Williams because of, because of injury, but you know, we can push on, we can try and get a result here, even though we might not have Kaji on the bench. It was, it was, it was, it was certainly interesting. I guess kind of wondering at this stage, if it's like a either or uh, with him and Kane, I guess I was just more surprised that he didn't, he didn't make the journey um, at all. Dan, you were watching from, from the low strangers chateau. Um, mm-hmm. Beautiful as it is. Yeah. Well, one of the things that stood out for me, and I think <clears throat> Louis, you say you're watching the highlights back today as well, is the state of the surface at the peninsula stadium. If that's its real name, um, it looked a bit like a council allotment to me. <laughs> is it wise to maybe you know have that kind of cautious, uh, steady approach on what looked like such an uneven surface? Didn't it? it didn't look yeah. great. Well, just quickly on Kaji, I listened to Jody Morris's post-match interview with Andrew Hawes, uh, and I think Kaji had been ill on the Thursday Friday, so um, wasn't in the eighteen, which explains explains that one. Um, but yeah, on Salford's pitch, um, it was one of two things that made it quite a treacherous game for a, you know, a sort of total football side, which you know, Swindon have typically been this year. So obviously, pitch was, you know, it had been rolled flat for the start of the game, but quickly cut up, um, particularly on the camera side. Um, the sort of that channel all the way up the pitch was very sandy. You saw even in some of the early salvos, like simple passes from 10 yards, man to man, you know, players having to take the extra touch to control the ball. Um, yeah, I, th- I think in the early sections of the game, probably Iandolo and Hutton were both guilty of sort of, uh, sort of heavy touches that ballooned up in the air, but you got to have a lot, a lot of sympathy with them. The other thing to mention, and perhaps Louis can expand, but, it definitely looked like the wind had a, an influence on the game. Swindon in the first half were into the wind. Um, kicks sort of, you know, barely get into the halfway line. Uh, and obviously Swindon not really having an out ball up front. Austin is serviceable in the air, but you wouldn't call him a, a target man. Um, second half with the wind, I think it, it helped Swindon get up the pitch a bit more and actually um, helped us defend against the very large Matt Smith. So um, first half, 
where he was trying to flick the ball on was a lot deeper in the pitch. Swindon were having to be a lot deeper to account for that second half. We were able to push up a bit more. And when he was winning those first contacts, it was kind of 10 yards into the half rather than, you know, edge of our box. So, yeah, definitely pitch, treacherous, not great, given how long of the season there is still to go from a, a Salford perspective. And, uh, yeah, definitely looked like the wind had an influence on the game. Swindon into it in the first half and with the wind in, in the second. Well, again, you've given a you've given a good illustration of the uh, the game and the conditions are in pretty good balance there. But it, unfortunately, it really really wasn't long until uh, until Salford had drawn first blood. Just four minutes of play, so they kind of make a quite a stilted start, and then um, Manu Loney uh, Galbraith is in the middle, so he finds Bolton breaking towards the right. He's taking on Iandolo, manages to lose him. Blake Tracy comes wide pull, and as he's coming to support Iandolo, that's like pulling the centre-backs apart. There's a low pass that's just in front of the D. Uh, Kane can't read it in time to intercept, and it's just a foot or two behind from Khan, who's got his back to the ball. Neatly received pass back to Bolton, and he's threading it through to, I think it's McElhenney who got subbed off at half-time, but he's stretching and failing to reach it. But then that gives the opening to uh, Watson, hits it low and true to Brin's left, and getting that getting that sinking feeling very early on. Um, one nil down after five minutes, Louis. If the if the vibes were good going into the ground, what was what did that feel like in the stand? It was it was it was a gut punch. It really was. I, I, I was sat there thinking, I haven't just travelled four hours here. I'm going to go four hours back just to, just to see a goal conceded in the first five minutes again. I can't I can't be seeing Swindon lose their four straight game in a row. It was it was just it was it was awful. Like like we weren't exactly jubilant before the game because we knew like Salford hadn't lost here since like, hadn't lost home since like, October November time. So we were thinking, right, we really we want to get a draw out of this. We, we're trying to get a draw out of this. Stop stop the rot really. Um, so to see that first goal goal in going so early, we're thinking right, how, how, like not how how many could this be? Could it be two nil, three nil down by half time? Because we we were going nowhere. The surface of the pitch was awful. Like it was bobbling everywhere. Iandolo couldn't get his tu- his first touch on at all. He was he was losing his men on the left in the first 10, 15 minutes as well. Before and after the goal had gone in, the wind wasn't helping at all. Austin couldn't basically get up into the into the opposition up because he was having to come back deep, try and like flick balls onto Wakelin. It was just it was just awful the first five ten minutes when the goal went in. If you'd had that Capra son with you, that might yeah. have given you a little. <laughs> <lift. Yeah. laughs> Dan, you must have been you must be ready to uh, you know just shut the TV off and uh, you know ask Jeeves to start the helicopter and leave the chateau. Ask Jeeves, there's a throwback. Um, well, yeah, what really irked me was actually, I, I think we'd started the game okay. Those first three or four minutes, like we'd had some nice possession. Um, a couple of times, Khan had received the ball on the half turn in midfield and drove forward. So it looked like a, a steady start. But God, it was so easy for Salford to score, wasn't it? Um, I think Iandolo barely put in a you know, any sort of challenge in for the man to drift inside. Um, despite having three centre-halves and McEachran, Khan and Kane all in the picture as the goal goes in, it was actually um, Wakelin who was desperately tracking back to try and um, stop Watson from from sliding home. So, yeah, you've got a sort of deep midfield runner there, sort of bit of a lack of communication, I guess. You've got Kane, who's fairly new, McEachran's new on the scene. Um I don't know if Khan's much of a talker, but yeah, it's just a, a bit of error in communication. No one picking up Watson coming from deep. Um, very nice finish. Um, slightly fortuitous how it was kind of that final flick onto him. But yeah, just what was really worrying was the ease with which Salford was just able to drift inside, pass, pass, flick, goal. And yes, yeah. sinking feeling for sure. Yeah, exactly, and I feel like I feel like there's a there's a duty for us to be a bit a bit cautious and a bit measured about this because 
if we're honest, and we'll go through the you know the whole game, it wasn't the the only guilt edged opportunity that we afforded them, and maybe Lady Luck was smiling a bit on on Swindon yesterday. But over the uh, the next twenty minutes or so, um, I kind of skimmed through the replay today, but mm-hmm. there didn't seem to be a lot happening. Dan, there, we had a corner that McEachern didn't really do a lot with, a couple of chances that Salford had that they didn't manage with retaining the ball. But there's kind of like a nervous energy there, wasn't there? And making opportunities from you know, from our wide players, from Ireland and Hutton, as you've alluded, they were. Quite limited, weren't they? Yeah, it was um, it's kind of a nothing first twenty-five, permeated by the the Salford goal. Really, um, what happened in the twenty-fourth, twenty-fifth minute, happily for Swindon, was you know we actually for the first time in the match had a concerted spell of possession, forty-five to sixty seconds long. Um, I listened to the post-match from the Salford manager Neil Wood. And he is grumbling about Jody Morris handling the ball whilst it was still in play. And if you watch the goal back, the sort of 30 seconds before, as Jody Morris <laughs> grabs the ball and chucks it sort of quickly to the Swindon thrower to get on with the game. Um, I think I think he might actually have a bit of a case. I think maybe the ball hadn't completely gone. So uh Jody Morris takes an assist, uh sort of the pass before the pass before the pass. Because um Sort of 10 seconds later, Jake Kane spread it wide to Hutton. Um, you know, a bit of composure finally. Dropped the shoulder. In comes the cross. And a wonderful improvised finish from Jacob Wakelin. I think the more I see it, the more credit I'm going to give him, actually. I think, it, yeah. you know, he, he did deliberately move his body for the ball to go to the back post. And it's very, very canny finish. It's an interesting, interesting. Oh, we'll get on to that in there in, mm-hmm. <laughs> in a moment. So, yes, we've got a lifeline there. I thought that you know there was a bit of a stilted start, as you said, from the likes of like Iando and Hutton. But in this stage, you know, him, uh, or both of those, I should say, Blake Tracy, Kane, Wakeling, McEachran, they're all working hard to keep that ball and retain that pressure. Um, and that's like cross comes into the area that finds waking but there's a marker pinned right on him and he's got his back to goal I thought he was hooking his foot underneath to try to keep it alive for Austin whoever might be on the yeah. uh, lower post but he loops over the shoulder and beyond the reach of the keeper and that's that's yeah. one one he's saying he meant it maybe with a tongue in cheek a couple of people <laughs> reported that he must have must have been unintentional and then Changing their minds uh, today. Yeah. Well, before we come to Louis for the for the view from the ground, you know, upon watching it live, um, it was such a good finish. I was convinced it was Austin until about three seconds later when you see Wakelin wheeling away, doing his uh, hop, skip, and jump into the air triumphantly. But yeah, that that's probably the biggest credit I could give Wakelin is it was kind of like a a peak Austin finish in the sense it was just a goal scorer's finish. Just found a way to contort your body and and get it to the back post where the keeper wasn't. I'm not sure. I'm going to put this to adjudication, Louis. Do you think he meant it? Um. Well, yeah. I think I at the yeah at the time, yeah. I I definitely think he meant it because I'm thinking he's he's just trying to get a little bit of contact. He's trying to see, oh, can I get, get a little like one percent chance lucky? And he was it was a lucky goal for him to get. Um. The xG on it must be the lowest it can be. But yeah, I think he meant it because I, I think he's thinking, right, we need to get a shot here. We need to get a shot on target. I'm just going to flip this, see where it goes. If it's a goal, it's a goal. If it gets saved, it gets saved. I'm just, let me just try something here. And it, it, if he definitely meant it, it's, it's a brilliant piece of like, it's, it's, it's a creative masterpiece from him because I don't, I don't know when the last time, my, last time I saw a goal like that where he just hooks it over his right leg and it just beats the keeper because I don't expect the keeper's expecting it either that's why I, I expect it went in because the keeper wasn't didn't think it was sorry <laughs> I think I think Ken's didn't didn't believe um Wakelin was going to go for it I think he thought oh he's going to roll this to Austin he's going to send this back to Austin so when he sees it fly, fly over his right shoulder he's thinking right I've just made a fool of myself here yeah okay okay you, you guys are presenting a fairly good case I, I I still took the stick to the old mantra of the cross come shot phenomenon, but 
I'll, <laughs> I'll take it. And as you say, yeah, it definitely caught the keeper, caught Cairns on his uh, on his back foot, and uh, that was wonderful stuff. I mean, Jakey Wakey, as uh, as we like to call him on the pod, he looks to he looks to be regaining his confidence. That's going to help him no end. Um, Dan, do you think this is this is the Morris influence? Is this somebody who's going to suit his game better? Well, it, I, I guess it's too hard. It's too early to say if it is definitely a, a Jody Morris influence. What I would say, having watched Wakelin all season, is he does look quite a confidence player. Um, he's got some very obvious physical attributes, pace, um, and that sort of good low centre of gravity. He's quite good at turning defenders when he sort of sucks them in and then turns. But... Um, I think probably he benefited from the little jolt, you know, having to sit down for Sutton away. Um, you know, maybe it was the bit of a bit of a rest and a bit of a rocket that he needed because when he came on at Sutton, he he made a really big impact. Two um, good chances of his own making, sort of stealing in, stealing the ball off defenders, and unfortunately for him, both finishes saved by the uh, the Sutton keeper on the night, but. Yeah, that was kind of like the the taster, and then um, yeah, this this performance at um, at Salford, you know, he he had been quiet in the first twenty five minutes too. But what do good goal scorers do? They stick it in the net when they're presented with a chance. So yeah, hopefully in these last fifteen games of the season, a more confident Wakelin benefiting from playing alongside you know, one of the best natural goal scorers we've ever had at Swindon Town. Hopefully we can see Jakey um, continue to contribute in the, in the goals column because he does give us a bit of something we haven't got other than Hepburn Murphy, which is pace and the threat of a ball over the top. There was a, a moment just before half-time, sorry to go a bit out of sequence, uh, JR, but a sort of um, long ball over the top, Wakeling got on to found it a bit hard to control and it sort of led to a scuffed shot of the keeper. Um, yeah, it just keeps defences honest with that pace. Um, and when he's not on the pitch, when it is Austin and Jeffcott, that is quite samey-samey in terms of um, lack of pace. So, yeah, he's a good option. I hope, I hope he has a big 15 games now. Yeah, and don't worry about going out of sequence because I'm like a robot and I'll just uh, I'll just go through... <laughs> my order sheet anyway not much to tidy up from um, first half I mean they were really back under the boil after we got our goal and there was a free kick outside the area that found Matt Smith's header rattling the post and we offside side by Lino yeah but he wasn't deterred was he then he was it, he had another header that sort of went slightly wide we're looking a bit shaky and I think Matt Smith was playing a bit like a man possessed and he bundled into Blake Tracy who got a free kick played it short to Clayton who looks to find Khan who gets pressed a bit and for some ungodly reason I don't know he tries to take him on loses the ball and then Smith just puts all his power into it and just blasts it straight straight at the crossbar it's probably still reverberating now a bit more pinball and Clayton puts in a great last minute tackle to prevent him from tidying up but he really looked like you know he wanted to assert himself onto the game there. That's it, that's all. Oh, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, oh, no, you can actually see me on the highlights, put my hands on my head when Smith, <laughs> with Smith gets the ball because it's actually hands on my hat because I'm wearing the bucket hat at the time. And as soon as he gets the ball, I, I put my hands on my head. I, I hit the bar. I start clapping like, "Yeah, we were about to clear this." They get the ball back, so my hands are back on my hat again because I think I think I thought they were about to get a second there. But then, of course, Clayton tidies up, uh, puts that last ditch tackle in. Uh, yeah, we we were really back under the boil, as you called it again. Because yeah, we were we were yeah that that last fifteen minutes we were not playing well again. Um, they were pressing us. Yeah, obviously quite high. Um, we didn't, we didn't really have an answer to that. We couldn't really play out of it ourselves. They kind, of, they were pinning us down. They were winning the second ball all the time. Uh, yeah, Aust- Austin was struggling again to get any service. Basically, 
Um, when we are making silly mistakes, Khan, Iandolo, yeah. Yeah, that's the, and that pretty much makes up the the first half in half time. Not really much to yeah. change over. Hendry, who uh, stretched that ball, he comes off for uh, he comes on, I should say, for Mappalini. He was the one who stretched that ball, and. Fraserburg Tracy's come off a little worse after some of those challenges. He called the physio on, didn't he? But then new he's physio made it to the break and new physio. Yes. We we'll have to find out more yeah. about them. Um, uh, oh, sorry. I, I, uh, it's because Alison, who is our current physio, apparently she she's heavily pregnant now, so she couldn't she couldn't travel up. So yeah, I have seen that happy maternity leave. On yeah, maternity I have leave. seen that ginger physio before. He's, he's kind of like assistant physio, as I like to call him. So I think he'll become our interim head physio okay. while she's out. Yeah. I have to. I want to find out more about. I want to find out what he wants at Burger King yeah. as well. I'll get all that. <laughs> there. Um, yeah, yeah. He so he made it into the break and he tried to sort of play through it for a couple of minutes, but must have only got about two or three minutes into the second half that he's he's out really, isn't he? He has to make way and. I think we were intrigued at the time that he's subbed off for Ronan Darcy, of all people. Dan, losing Black yeah. Tracy's, that's not really what we need right now. And I'm just wondering, do you think we can cope without him at this stage? Um, well, first thing to say, um, he's the sort of character Blake Tracy, you know, all the cliches, like he'd head a brick wall, you know, like you'd have to drag him off the pitch. And in, in Morris's post-match comments, he suggested, you know, he very nearly took the decision out of Blake Tracy's hands, but Blake Tracy really wanted to give it a go in the second half and try and play on. Um, but yeah, it's a fine balance, isn't it? He's a very important player in the squad. Um, we've spoke to death on this pod about um, our inadequate centre-half recruitment in January. So, yeah, as soon as he sat down again, I think the only option was to, was to take him off and um, try and preserve him, try and get him back out on the park for late in the Orient game on the 4th of, 4th of March, say. Um, and I guess if, if you were, if you had to miss Blake Tracy for one game for the rest of the season, home against 20th next Saturday, you know, and that's not underestimating Harrogate. They obviously spanked us on the, on the opening day. But yeah, if you had to pick a game for Blake Tracy to have a week off, that's not, that's not the worst one. Um, I actually... At the time, there's no hindsight applied here. I, I thought it was a good sub. Um, <clears throat> the back five did seem to be slightly stiltiness. Um, we you mentioned earlier in the build-ups that very big Matt Smith chance about how Swindon would be impressed, slightly overplaying out from the back. So sometimes best thing you could do with that is actually take a defensive body out. Um Going to the back four did seem to give us a bit more defensive stability. Often means there's less space in behind the wing backs for other teams to exploit. And it crucially got us another attack-minded player higher up the pitch. Um, Darcy did make uh, a big impact on the game. Lots of energy. It sort of helped Swindon press Salford for the first time in a, a sort of coordinated way in the match. Um it allowed Kane and Khan to sort of be the two sitting midfielders. And then ahead of them, you had uh, McKechnie and Darcy, Wakelin and Austin kind of as a front four. And Swindon's attacking output, you know, even not even if it didn't lead to heaps of chances, Swindon did look more dangerous and actually occupied Salford in their own half um, for much of the game. And if we're going to work our way on to goal two... Um, Rewatched it earlier, and so something Salford had done brilliantly in the first half. We've referenced pressing Swindon really high up the pitch and making it difficult for us to play out. If you look at goal two, um, Ibu Torre, their left back, you see how high up he was trying to press Swindon, and we actually got two passes right, which took Torre out of the game. So Salford were left backless. Um, lovely one-two from Darcy and McEachran. McEachran intelligently played it into the space that Torre had vacated, which gave Darcy a clear run up the right wing. And uh, the rest is history, as they say. How did the goal look from where you were, Louis? 
Oh yeah, it was, it was brilliant. It was brilliant. <laughs> um, yeah, because it, it was it was it was just a quick counter attack. It was snap. It was short, snappy, direct. That's what we needed to be, especially on that surface. We struggled to play short, playing direct. McEachran, brilliant pass out to Darcy. Darcy uses his burst of pace, run down that right. But a he, he kind of like he hesitates for a second, putting that cross in. He puts it in. Um, but then yeah, Elliot Watt puts in the back of his own net. He, he, he misread it, basically. He misread the cross. He's tried to stick a foot out or to try and like, stop the cross coming in, but it's come off the basically the sole of his boot and it's just trickled in past Cairns. He just, yeah, can't, he can't do anything about it. In a season yeah. where we're struggling to finish, yeah. we'll take it. <laughs> Absolutely, all day long. That, like you said, that, that quick, instinctive uh, flick through from McEachran was, uh, was extraordinary stuff, wasn't it? And that that really did seem to seem to turn things. I mean, I, I got some uh, interesting comments from the presser because I referred to Darcy coming on in the Sutton game as being him going into scrappy-do mode, and it felt very much like what we didn't need in that context. But uh, as, you've, as you both described here, I think for this game and that, that approach, it seemed to, seemed to work quite well. I don't know if you uh, you would agree, Dan, Louis, but I feel like sometimes with a if you've got a a back three with wing backs, you sometimes get a tendency for them to drift a bit, whereas the two centre backs tend to stick close and and talk more. So I don't know if that was uh, maybe something that helped. Uh, I mean, Swindon Swindon are a funny side to share. We flip between the back four and the back five, and at various times we sit here on the pod and say, "Wow." That was a good tactical switch. We must now stick with four or five. And yeah, I mean, it really is horses for courses, isn't it? Um, I think against Sutton's aerial bombardment, having the back five for most of that game did aid us. Uh, But early in the game against Salford, I think having five at the back didn't help us play out into the wind on a bad pitch. So it's... You know, there is no set way of playing for every team you play, every set of conditions you're going to encounter. It's just good, I suppose. Already in Morris's tenure, you're seeing the sort of tactical flexibility and a bit of sort of mid-game savvy to change the game um, in a in a good way. But yeah, short, shortly after the goal, um, got a lovely, lovely uh, Jake Wakelin, who is now wider on the left, Owen to the four formation change um, sort of driving down the left and put a fantastic cross across the face of the box I think neither Austin nor Darcy could quite get on the end of it but yeah it was kind of confirmation that we were looking a lot more dangerous and Salford were going to have a lot more headaches um, following that formation change so yeah FBT injury uh, unfortunate from our point of view but along with the Matt Smith miss in the first half probably one of two um, really pivotal moments that helped turn the game. Yeah, I thought that that cross that certainly looked like maybe our, our one of our best chances to make it three one. Um, McEachran, Louis, we, we were hearing that the other day he hasn't played much football in eighteen months. Um, come through on a free, but uh, he looks like he's, he's settled in really quickly, hasn't he? And he's, he's turning out to be some some free agent, isn't he? He, he certainly has. Like the fact that. Like he'd only signed for like one two days and playing in Sutton for seventy minutes, played about eighty minutes Saturday. You know he's he's certainly not struggling for fitness. He's certainly he, he despite not having a club for a little bit, he's he's definitely kept fit. And I think you can tell that he's come from a top academy. Just the way he moves on the ball, off the ball, his movement, his positioning, his passing, a lot of his like key attributes. You can tell he's been that's been sustained probably by Morris when he was at Chelsea. Um, as, as a as a as youth manager, as youth coach, um, but yeah, McEachran, like dare I say, he is a little bit more than League Two quality. I think we are, we will, it will hopefully turn out to be. We are rather fortunate to have him at, at, at our club, and um, I don't think it'll be too long till he gets involved within the goals. No, absolutely, he came super close there, so I, I don't think that would be uh, that would be 
far away at all. But uh, Salford you know, kept knocking on the door. There was a bit where Brennan and Clayton got across purposes. They allowed uh, Hendry through on a one-on-one. Another great recovery by uh, Clayton. And then they started to mix it up again. So Galbraith and the were off for Morton. And my and Dan's personal friend, Louis Barry, friend of the podcast, came on to make an appearance. I thought yes. that Louis Barry would be would be starting. I bet he was he was wishing he was in the, the white and black, wasn't he? Yeah, he's having um, a tough year from what I could see. Joined a, well, he obviously didn't know this at the time, but joined a poor Milton Keynes Don side. Um, played regularly, but very few involvements in the goals and assist columns. Um, so obviously seeing this Salford move as a chance to, you know, rejuvenate his season. But um, yeah, I guess he's going to have to be patient. If if they're using him off the bench so far, he's come on. I mean, there was a few lively moments from him. I was a bit worried. There's one moment where he was running at Andalo in uh, the latter part of the game. Um, that led to a sort of, you know, someone got a tackle in that led to a sort of scuffed shot wide. But yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's sad because, as we know, JR, he was a very, very lovely, respectful, polite young gentleman when we when we saw him at the sponsors' dinner, just come across, you know, loved football and just wanted to wanted to kick on. But yeah, probably yeah, it must be awful that deep feeling inside that, you know, it's probably not gonna happen for you at, at the club where you've been, you know, you've you've come through the academy. So yeah, I don't know. Might yet, might yet be a good pickup for Swindon in the summer. You never know. Someone still to still to watch. Yes, it was. It must be. It must be difficult to be, you know, that kind of age. What was he last year? Like nineteen, going on twenty, and you're know, having so much upheaval. It's something that's um, probably a difficult adjustment for young players, isn't it, Louis? You're you're one of them young people. You're a teenager. Yes. <laughs> you're, you're, you're doing things. You're you're living life or those kind of things. But it's um. If you're if you're moving about a bit and uh, you know you're trying to make your way as a footballer, I mean we can all only imagine, but it must be it must be challenging, mustn't it? Yeah, I, I certainly think it's tough, especially for him because what he's beat he was at West Brom, went to Barcelona, now at Aston Villa, now uh, then he, he was he last year start of last season he was at Ipswich, only made two or three appearances, came to Swindon. I think he was only still like 18, 19 when he was here. So we, we, we like, and he did, I think, I thought he did decently. Well, I think, I like, especially that Walsall 5-0 game, he, that was, I think it was his best game in a, in a Swindon shirt. Um, so I felt he slight, went slightly missing in the playoffs. I think the pressure started to get to him a little bit. He, he was still only young. He's still only young. Uh, went to MK Dons. Really, he, I think he still struggled there. Only got like one, two goals there. At Salford now, he's, 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 I don't think he started for them yet. Um, but yeah, I think I think possibly if I was him, I I start to realise Aston Villa, I've, I'm not going to be here for much longer. I don't think they want to want to keep me. I think they might want to cash in on me. So yeah, um, I think it's really t- tough for any young player when they start realising that. But yeah, for, I think for him, I don't I don't know where I don't know what his his like top achievement would be, but. If I was him, I'd, I'd start thinking, start talking to my agent about what clubs want me and where I'll be playing my football in, in the few year, next years to come. He definitely showed a shade of what he'd got. Um, yeah. We'll talk about, about that a bit when we get into injury time, just to sort of catch us up to get to the uh, to get to the end of the game. We had a card for Wakeling getting booked for a late tackle. Was he a bit harsh, Dan? Uh, I thought so at the time. I thought it's one of those, like, because he got the ball, I thought he was going to get away with it. But I suppose you can't tackle from behind, can you? That old wow. mantra. Yeah. That's right. And then you had uh, Vassell heading wide from a corner. And our friend Matt Smith was causing a bit of bother in the box after he got a uh, header from a free kick. That came to nothing. And that was the end of his day. 77 minutes on. on and he's off. He's not going to get his vengeance over Swindon. Matt Smith and Watson off on London. Mallon and... Just three minutes after that, that's the end of uh, McEachern's game. He's off for a returning Tyree Shade. Um, not really a lot of time for Shade to make um, an impact into the game, but coming back from injury in that brief cameo, Dan, what did you uh, what did you make of his his triumphant return in the uh, 
in the Swindon lineup. Well, yeah, I mean, not too much to comment in terms of, you know, what happened on the pitch, but, you know, it's just another body back. Um, good option off the bench. Um, can play right or left wing, as we've seen. So, yeah, I think under a new manager, every every player in the squad will want to make a big impression on the new manager, and that, and that goes for, for Tyree Shade as well. So, yeah, it's, it's good to get another body back on the bus um, for those away games. Um, I think probably his major contribution, along with uh, Adeloye and uh, Jeff Cott when they came on, was to kind of add a bit of vibrancy and energy to that front three, keep pressing in Harry and Salford, who were obviously pushing like mad for, for the equaliser at this point. Um, but yeah, you've mentioned McEachern coming off there. I, I think we should just do a bit more. McEachern appreciation. Um, and the reason being, Sutton away, in terms of style, um, you know, that's probably one of the biggest style tests you're going to get in the fourth tier. And then Salford away on you know, half beach, half mud, you know, wind blowing, you know, that that's quite a conditions test. And when that's your first two games for, what is it, like over a year for McEachern? Um you know, it's really testament to his, you know, self-care that he has kept himself in, in such good nick. And actually, hopefully, from here on in, a home game against Harrogate and away game against Leighton Orient, it's going to be on two nicer pitches, hopefully nice conditions. And, and I, I think we've got a cracking, cracking prospect in there. For him to have put in these two performances... Nowhere near fitness in such difficult conditions against really difficult opposition in, against certain two. So, yeah, I think the signs are really promising there. And um, as we'll touch on later, he's probably he's probably in the man of the match reckoning. Yeah, yeah. Um, so shortly before we go into the end of uh, end of full time, um, we've probably had Charlie Austin's best chance. This was again uh, instinctive work from Wakeling, um, but Austin's shot kind of flies over the top of the barn. Louis, as you already said, he had a very quiet day, didn't he? Yeah, I think Charlie Austin, like this like, twilight of his career now. I, I, I don't, he's not. I don't think he's gonna be the type of player that creates himself chances. He's gonna need those players to like do the work for him, and he'll finish them off. And yeah, that, that, that the, the chance towards the end of the game really was his only chance. Really, like, I mean, I think he, he, he definitely he shot on the turn. I mean, he had no sight of goal at all. So he's just trying to go for it, you know, a little bit like Wakeland. He's decided to go, I have a chance. If it goes over, it goes over, it goes in. Let's go. Another goal. Um, but yeah, I think But with Austin, I definitely think as in terms of a leader, he's, he's brilliant and brilliant. Like he, he's, he's shouting, he's always talking to Wakeland, he's talking to the midfield, he's talking to the defence at the corner, he's telling them where to go. He says, right, you mark this one, you go here, you go on the edge of the box, you know. So I think as a he's not just a stri- yeah he's not just a striker but I think he's like almost like an on the pitch coach really, um, but he's invaluable to us definitely I think at this point of the season where we need on an on on the pitch leader he's he's the man we've got I can I can definitely see why Morris has given him captaincy. I think he's somebody that you probably just want to you know stick up top and nice and deep and he's good at clearing the lines in the. You know, set pieces, corners, and things like that, Dan. But I guess if you're playing as a, you know, the furthest forward striker, and you're, you're the person who's going to finish crosses and passes into the box, then it's quite easy to be shut out, isn't it? Yeah, I, having watched Austin in most of his games on it on his comeback, I think because he is so willing. And he is such a hard worker and he's desperate to try and turn things around for Swindon Town. You can see that. I've, I do think we almost need to save him from himself a little bit because at Sutton, he absolutely ran himself into the ground and he does so much defensive work in his own box. Um, as, even as the, the Salford game went on, you saw him get a little bit deeper. Um, sort of shade took up a higher position on the pitch and Austin was sort of regularly in midfield or again almost like he'd blown himself out he's, he's so desperate to contribute whereas I think what Swindon need for him is actually to be a bit more selfish <laughs> on the 
occupy that centre of the pitch, try and be thinking about about the uh, the goal contributions. But that does rely on other players doing the running. Um, yeah, the the way we set up in the first half, um, McEachran was by far and away the most advanced midfielder, almost sort of middle of a front three when Swindon had the ball. And that meant Austin was slightly uh, shunted out to one side or other. Um, and I, I do think you could you could have maybe tweaked that. I just I just think you want Austin in the width of the eighteen yard box. You don't want him doing too much running because, um, like I say, you do need to save him from himself. It's it's kind of like latter day Wayne Rooney in his career uh, for Man United Everton. Like you'd see him pop up in areas of the pitch where, you know, it's highly commendable, and he's he's desperately trying to help the team, but. Man United of Rooney and Everton of Rooney and Swindon now of Austin. You need him to be a bit more selfish and actually occupy that centre of the pitch at the top of the pitch and uh, and let your other 10 teammates do the running. Um, what do you think, JR? Am I talking rubbish? Do you think there's something to that? No, I don't think, think you're talking rubbish. I guess that uh, if we think back to last season, um, not that uh, Austin has had you know injury problems of this year, but it might be a bit much to expect him to play Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday. Um, yeah. I think, as Louis said, you know, he's, he's reliant because now, of course, with our experience or lack thereof, that you want a you want an experienced head and impassioned voice um, on the pitch. But perhaps we um, perhaps we should be smart in how we utilise him. Um, that was enough for him anyway. From there, he was off just before the end. Um, Jeff Cott and Adloy coming on for him and Wakeling. Louis, it was nice to see Tommy Adloy getting some getting some love from the fans. It, it, it certainly was. I've 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 been a supporter of Adloy since he like first came here. It was brilliant to see him get a goal at Newport. Um, yeah, it's just he just that he's only I think he's only started one game for us, but otherwise than that, he's always he's only on for the last 10, five, five, 10 minutes. So. You know, he's, he's only had two shots since he's been at Swindon. and he scored one of them, so he's got fifty percent conversion rate. Um, and I, I, I'd, I'd like, I, yeah, I'd like yeah. to see him get a few, a few more minutes actually. But yeah, it was definitely nice to see the fans get um, um, supporting him because I, I, that that um, at Barra when he made that little scuff shot at the keeper, or the keeper actually picked it up off his feet, um, he did have a few people on his back. So yeah. So the so yeah the away crowd uh, chanting his name I think he, he certainly loved that I think he really loved that because I think he's realising the fans actually are behind him they are supporting him they they want him to do well so I think mentally that that that's a massive boost to him yeah, it just seems so unnecessary that Barrow game because we didn't yeah. even lose it well it's like <laughs> I would we have been winning yeah it would have been nice if he got it but at the end of the day it didn't matter yeah. it certainly didn't didn't deserve the response that it that it got right we had seven minutes of injury time or putting this game to bed very soon from that um there's a five minutes is not really much happening as we're getting towards the uh towards the very dying age there's a deep corner that Hendry controlled that really neatly um but his shot, it just sort of dribbled off wide. And then there was the bit with Louis Barry, Dan was telling us about earlier, where he looked really dangerous, really tightly weaving and running at Iandolo. I thought Khan got away. There was like a clumsy collision with him, and then he's passed it a bit too far for Ture to get his foot on that rolls wide. And again, Lino has uh, saved us again. And after they have a wasteful corner, that's, uh, that's three points. Dan, it wasn't the... Um, yeah, you know, it wasn't the best game, um, and it might not be a popular thing to say, but I think we've already hinted on it. Um, for Salford's to to take, really, and they were really, really wasteful, weren't they? Yeah, I'd say up until up until the substitution of Blake Tracy and the aforementioned change that followed, I would say yes, it was absolutely Salford's game to take, and with that guilt-edged. Um, Matt Smith chance that they'll, they'll be absolutely kicking themselves. I think Swindon deserve quite a lot of credit actually for sort of minute fifty onwards. Um, let's not forget Salford are seventh in the table, um, good home record as Louis touched on earlier. So you know 
it is a very, very useful win. And against the backdrop of three straight defeats, it's a really important um, rot stopper as well. It gets Morris off the mark. Um, you've got a clear week now up until a home game against Harrogate. Uh, hopefully we get a couple more bodies back, get Ed Brand in the building, might see a free agent. That Blake Tracy injury might speed things along on the um, on the free agent front. So, yeah, I mean, you can't turn this season round in one day. But what was the most we could do on Saturday? It was to win. And so that is step one of... Um, of sort of turning the ship around and step two is obviously going to be Harrogate at home. And I think it's really important to win there because you're going to want to take momentum into that rather tasty looking East London clash against Leighton Orient and Brisbane road backed by a sellout away end. So yeah, I mean, from a, from Morris's point of view, he needs, he needs a sort of groundswell of momentum. Swindon need it for the season. And let's forget, Let's not forget, we're four points off seventh with a game in hand on Salford, who are the team in seventh. So, all is not lost. Um, let's hope the Blake Tracy injury is not too bad. And, um, yeah. yeah it's, we just got to do the most Swindon Town thing possible now and lose one nil against Harrogate before beating Leighton Orient. <laughs> that would be very, very, <laughs> very Swindon. And as you say, like the results, yeah. um, and just being four places off of uh, Salford already sitting where we want want to be is uh, it just goes to show how uh, how tight these things. Uh, Louis, just to add on that, I've seen a lot of people say smash and grab or parking the bus. I don't know if I quite agree with those sentiments, no. but we got the job done, didn't we? And do you think that doing that in front of seven hundred travelling and appreciative fans is that going to help the the players turn a corner? They seem to get a lift a lift from that, didn't they? I certainly think they. I think that def. I think we definitely will turn a corner now, especially to go up to a place where Peninsula Stadium or actually Moor Lane, as it's officially called, um, is is was seen as a fortress for quite a few months. To, to, to get to get a result like that is massive, especially to stop a poor run, start to turn things around. I think the fans are starting to see, think you know they're starting to see. Oh, Morris is actually a good guy. Um, I think the team are realizing we, we we can do this. We can do this. We, we've just beaten a promotion contender. We 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 beat Harrogate. We get a good result against Leighton Orient. We we are back up there again. You know the season's not over now. Um, I think optimism is starting to seep out again after recent negativity. Um, so yeah, if I if I was a player in that dressing room, I'm thinking right, this is ours for the taking. Now we've got a game in hand as well. Um, so yeah, I'm thinking right, we can do this. We top seven, second half of the season. This is on. This is on. This is ours to do. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Right. Just a bit of admin to wrap up on then, because I've taken up a lot of your time of this evening we've had lots of fun with uh, zoom and apps and loads of recordings yeah. from that list of the contributions we asked for them i'm not going to read them off verbatim but i just want to share some interesting thoughts with you from that a lot of shout outs for um for george mckechran but what i found quite interesting is there seems to be a real split in these contributions uh, a few shouts for uh saidu khan to have put in a Man of the match performance, and um, another another kind of divide of people saying that he was uh, a liability and lucky not to get sent off. Guys, what do we think to this? Can I take that? You may. <laughs> um, I'm coming down on the side of he's a he's a lucky boy, Sidi. Actually, um, we've come away with a two-one win, and people won't remember these these bits in in a month's time, and perhaps rightly so. But you know. He did get caught on the ball in his own box, tried to dribble uh, away from danger and got caught, you know, on another day where Matt Smith could finish his dinner, you know, he's getting slaughtered for that. Uh, and secondly, really unnecessary, petulant tangle with Matty Lund, who looks like Fabrizio Ravanelli. Um, I think he's ex-Oxford, right, Matt, Matty Lund? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I thought you were going to say Ravinelli yeah. there. 
<laughs> no. Louis, um, Louis, so, you yeah, want to know who Ravenelli is? Uh, no, please. Unfortunately, not. <laughs> oh, man, Luis, is, is for real. There you go, Dan, we're old. Louis, <laughs> have you ever put your shirt over your head after celebrating a goal? Yes. Well, yes, then you've done, the it, yes. yeah. you've done the Ravenelli. You've done the Ravenelli. There you go. Thank the man. Um, um, but, yeah, I mean, Khan was... It looked... That's, uh, I think the controversial bit happened off-screen. And the Salford commentators who I listened to were insistent that Khan had to go. So pinch of salt there, obviously. But yeah, at 2-1 up, you're just about to get to the end of the game and, and see the ball go up for seven minutes. Losing a centre midfielder when you've got no subs left to make, that would have been another highly irritating moment. Um, so I think perhaps he's a bit of a lucky boy. Certainly not in the man of the match stakes for me. Some people would say, I mean, you look at what happened with Hepburn Murphy at Newport and, you know, that happening in front of the dugout and the crowd. And some would argue that uh, perhaps that reception influenced the decision. If Salford had, you know, genuine fans who cared about the outcome of games, maybe uh, that would have happened to Saidu Khan <laughs> like, as well. Like, I saw, no, I was, I, I saw what Saidu Khan did. And it was, it was a bit weird because he kind of pushed a player over. And there were there was like one or two shouts, but then the Salford player just got straight back up again, like nothing had happened. So that that was a, it was a little strange. Like he 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 didn't push his because I saw it, he didn't push his face. He kind of like pushed his chest. The Salford player went down holding his face. The referee was obviously was talking to someone else, and the assistant referee wasn't looking. So he got straight back up again. So I think I don't know what I don't know what happened there. Yeah. But like. Khan, like, because I actually voted Khan as man of the match because I thought he did pretty well in his movement in midfield. I think he adapted to the surface quite well. And I think that was because of his experience in non-league, coming up through the leagues. He's he's been on that type of pitch before, so I thought I, I thought point. he actually like w- yeah worked the midfield quite well. I think he knew how to deal with the situations um, adequately. So yeah, that, I I just I it would have been between him and McEachern as man of the match for me. Does the does his naughtiness uh, adjust your vote? <laughs> uh, yeah. Um. No, I just because to me he just he just pushed him, and the, the Salford player was just trying to get lucky, trying to get a decision, but no one was really interested. Like the fans, the, as um as he just said, the fans, the fans weren't really interested either. They were just yeah, they didn't really care. But the, the fans didn't make any noise anyway. So. Just, just to clarify, <laughs> just to clarify, I'm not obviously I didn't see it, so I'm not saying Khan should have been sent off, but it's more to even get in that tangle at that moment yeah. in the match when you are ahead and when you've been sent off twice already this season. It's hard not to say he is a bit of a he is a bit of a liability it, over the space of two thirds of a season. He's been sent off twice and. Lost his head again, again here. So if you're an opposition team, Scout and Swindon, you know, wind Sidi Khan up. Wind him up, yeah. Yeah, yeah. same with Hepburn Murphy. You're going to do it, aren't you? <laughs> yeah. can, I, I, can I ask, Louis, as you're, as you're the debutante and you're probably someone who hasn't been asked this uh, loads and loads, we've discussed on the pod before about there potentially being a discipline issue this year. What's your thoughts about that? Uh yes, I've read I have read about that. And I think I think there is a discipline issue. So you saw early in the season you had the likes of McCurdy getting sent off, you've had Khan get sent off twice already. Uh you who else were you sent off? We've had Tetburn Murphy sent off. Um I can't remember many others that got sent Two off. Two at Bristol Rovers. Two at Bristol Rovers. Yes, Aguar and yeah, Aguar got sent off at Bristol Rovers. Brennan. Sent Brennan got sent oh, yeah. off at Bristol Rovers, yeah. I remember that. I, I was looking at that the score on that, and I saw nine men on the pitch. Yeah, yeah. I think I think we do have a slight discipline issue. Uh, Morris has said he wants to iron that out. Um, but yeah, I think I think sometimes we just get wound up too easy and we just react when the best thing probably to do is just turn away, just walk away from the situation. Like if it's such if it, yeah, if it's such an issue, just like tell it tell it to the linesman or something, saying like, just like. Get, get just just walk get away from the situation just don't let yourself like see red yes yes good i think i think for all of those reds except probably the mccurdy ones because he 
was and is and will continue to be a law unto yeah. itself, yeah. won't it? <laughs> Dan, yeah, who, are you, uh, who are you thinking for your Battle of the Match nod? Um, bit of a difficult word. I would say lots of 7 out of 10s, but possibly, and I've given him a big rap already on this pod, I, I think I would lean to McEachern, actually. You know, you look around the pitch. I think some of Khan's forward play was quite good. But as I've said, you know, I think on another day, he could have cost us big time. Um, I think Clayton had a a steady game at centre-half, better than his last couple of efforts. You're seeing that he's getting back up to back up the speed. Hutton, fairly quiet, but a lovely assist. Wakelin had a good afternoon. But yeah, I I think McEachern takes the honours for me. I think I'm slightly edging that way. And, and Louis, I think that you were thinking that way. So I think that probably George McEachern has got, the, got yeah. the double. And then when Rich is back with his professionalism, he'll count them up and he'll tell me uh, if I'm wrong or right. Chaps, let's <laughs> look forward to the next game. Uh, you'll be back with the, the delicate and uh, adequate hands of Mr Pullen in the week. Until then, Louis, Dan, thanks very much. Thank you very much. Thank you. Cheers, Chair. Cheers, Louis. The Low Strangers is an independent supporters podcast. Views given do not reflect those of Swindon Town Football Club or their official partners. The music is provided by the great Matthew Kilford, and the podcast artwork was designed by Matt in Singapore. What a guy. Thanks for listening. Come on, Swindon. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Hi, Ellis Pod fans, it's JR here. If Swindon players were McDonald's items, who would they be? We've had lots of Big Macs like the legendary Alan McLaughlin, Harry McCurdy, or even Steve McMahon. Perhaps you'd prefer to channel the power of McPlant like Darren Ward, or maybe five chicken selects, one to enjoy for each time Ben Gladwin joined. Yep, there's one spare, but there's still time. And you don't need super scouts or data solutions to get your hands on any of these. McDelivery through the McDonald's app brings them all to you. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.